Yeah, so I always built, I built the gym. I'm only reach out to teenagers now. Like I try and look for all the boys that, all and girls that will like um, me, get them come and get getting some sort of routine which save me. I'm on the airplane on the way out here, I'm all over the news. Bring up ex-bikey president, which was 10 years old now. Drug kingpin, even though I've never been in trouble for drugs in my life. I was never fleeing the country. I was walking out service paradise with my shorts and singing with my kids. All that talk to my gang pulled up and we pull up and they all did. Dear Heavenly Father, please watch over me and the brother Matt here and um, everybody watching in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, my brother. So what's your name and where are you from? I'm Matty Floyd. I'm uh, from Perth. Matty Floyd from Perth. Matthew the Jedi, is it my brother? Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. So um, the brother here is actually, uh, well, how, how's your day going anyway, brother? Welcome to the show, man. How is it over there in Perth at the moment? Yeah, good, man. It's not too bad today. It's been a bit wet lately. Oh, yeah, tell me about it, bro. It's been pouring down over here in Auckland. Um, bro, how's the boxing and that going, brother? So the Jedi, bro, that's your, your boxing nickname, is it? Yeah, Jedi. I um I was with my manager and I had to come up with a name and um I like Star Wars and that and I don't know why it came to me that day. I just said, Oh, the Jedi, and we just chucked it in there. Oh, so it fits perfectly, brother. Matthew the Jedi. Um four and oh two is it, my bro, professional boxer. Yeah, I would have had a lot more fights, but they've been doing me a bit like um uh, the commission. I started off actually doing uh Muay Thai, then I went to MMA and then I went pro and boxing uh, a few years back. I would have had heaps more fights, but um because of my last lat like my last jail sentence for bashing the pedophile, the commission gave me a real hard time. Commission over here is like a they're like a boxing commission. They've got like this godlike sort of power, which is above anyone else's. They can they don't answer anyone and they can do whatever they want, you know? They just pick and choose whatever they want to do, whenever they want, really. And they didn't oh. the fight for years, even though I was doing all the right things. And then um, when I finally could fight, I fought as much as I could. And then, yeah, and then now they're trying to stop me again. Oh, man, that sucks. We're sorry to hear about that, man. I guess we'll, we'll run into all of that. So, yeah, so the brother here, um, just a little rundown. So this is Matthew Floyd here. Um, he's got a story of redemption, obviously, as you've just heard. Um he actually has a crazy story, this guy, man. He's been all over the place, man. Um, he's, he's done it all, this fella. Um, currently, he's the owner of uh, Pinkies Gym over there in um, Perth. Uh, man, doing heaps of positive stuff, man, especially um, involving the children, you know, getting kids off the streets and that, um, which is, you know, what we're all about on this show, man. And, um, you know, the brother actually has been, has walked that path himself, you know, he's um, that walked the street life over there in Perth, man, he's lived the um, the hustling life over there, um, you know, progressed, you know, unfortunately, you know, he has done a bit of time, um, most recent one being over a pedophile, which is just, um, that's just, that's awful, man, awful circumstances, we will touch on all of that stuff, um, he was a member of a motorcycle club as well, he was the, the president of the Lone Wolves in Western Australia, but like I said, you know, right now he's doing positive things. You know, he's just working in the gym and that. Um, hopefully he'll be getting some more fights in and that as well. But, um, brother, I guess to start us off, my bro. So, um, grew up in Perth, was it, brother? Yeah, grew up in Perth. I was about six months old when I come here. Um, I, I was born in Adelaide and then came over when I was a baby. It was, I had, my mum, uh, she like really loved me. Like she, you know, I've got nothing ever bad to say about my mum. She loved me to death. I was her favourite child, but um, she was always pretty sick. She was like, um, there was always like a bunch of us living in the same sort of place. 
and she'd always try and feed everyone. So she'd go like into the <clears throat> like the Coles or the whatever shops and she'd walk out with trolleys and she wasn't a very good crook, so she'd always get done. And um I think she just played oh she was she did have her own like definitely had her own mental health problems, but I think she used to have to play up on it a bit as well to avoid going to jail each time. So she was always like in, in and out of hospitals and sort of getting into trouble. But it was always never really for herself, always trying to feed everyone else. So she couldn't really had a hard time looking after me. So I would stay with uh uh whether it was other people or families that were like foster uh families or with mates, things like that all the time. You know, my nana, she 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 um helped out a lot. And um it was actually uh, someone that looked after me a lot was my mum's uh, one of her ex partners before I even existed. And uh the the my mum's the ex boyfriend that was did, did like he was looking after me, he sort of he he went to Adelaide with his new uh, misters and uh, she didn't really like me because I wasn't his actual son. So when he left, I was saying uh, at that stage we were just like friends and that. And then I met these people at the markets. There was this guy called Bob, and uh, they were taking in kids. They were like a foster family, and I was the oldest kid there. Um, and I ended up staying there for several months, maybe about six months or something. And then uh, yeah, probably about I think it might have been maybe. Probably a year and a half, two years later, they all got done. They were like known as a pedophile family in that area. Far out, bro. So, well, you've been staying there for six months. Uh, uh, roughly, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's hard to remember exact timelines and things like that, you know. But I remember I was there for a while. I used to take, I used to go to the markets for every Sunday. And I remember, so when I was staying, staying with him, I was just going to the markets with him. I had my own shop at the markets. And uh, I ended hey, up like. Yeah, it's not like a shop, like, you know, like it's Cannibal Markets, you would like your car bays. And back then, Cannibal Markets were real busy. You'd have to line up at like 2, 3 in the morning just, and they end up catching on the bosses and that. And they said, look, you can't really just plant your table here at the front, but if you buy one of our tables, back then you'd get like a table. It was 6 bucks, 5 bucks for the table, you get a dollar back. Um, uh, we'll let you stay here, you know, if you get buy one from us. And before you know, I bought one table and I had two tables and I had four tables. I had my own, you know, at the front there. Wow, so, yeah. man. So you were born into the hustle, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, right, bro. So, well, okay. So, well, so you ended up staying with a family um, and then that ended up coming out. So where did you head from there, bro? One that like, looked after me. I'll never forget anyone that looked after me. Um, I always remember, even, even now, I'll reach out to them and, like when I have fights, I give them tables to my fights and I buy them or didn't, you know, I look after them. Like I remember everyone that ever looked after me. Even in high school, I had families look after me. Um, and, and I always remember everyone. I just can't remember exact um, like timelines and things like that, you know. I can remember like um, when I was at the markets and when I was working and things like that because there were big events. But the childhood was all over the shop that it's hard to remember. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome to see what you're doing now, brother, having come from from all of that, bro. That's awesome, man, you know, owning, you know, the gym and all of that, bro. Good to see, man. Um, well, how was school going for you, bro? So you were going to school this whole time as well? They liked me at the school, man. Like, I was always good at school. And then out of school, I was playing up, you know. But when I was at school, I was like a – I was pretty good. I didn't get in too much trouble there. I think because I needed it. I needed – I was smart. Like, I, I had to be at school, so I'll try and stay out of trouble there. And I had a lot of mates, so I was, you know, it was all right. So you ended up going to Thailand, eh, brother? Yeah, when I was, um, I started with, the, when I was 10, I started with um, the Pokemon cards. So back then, 20 years ago, um, pe uh, people weren't buying stuff from eBay. So I was buying boxes of Pokemon cards. Back then, 
Um, and and we're getting him like maybe like from memory six months to a year before you'd get him over here in Perth. So I was getting him, and that's where I started building my money. <clears throat> and then when I was um about eleven, I built up. I remember one of my mates come back from Thailand, and he came back with his Game Boy Advance games, which was Nintendo. Game Boy Advance hadn't really hit Perth yet, so I come up, I come up with the idea where I'll fly, you know, I'll go over there and bring back it, you know. I saved up as much as I could. And I took, I took, I remember I took someone, this this um bum at, at the markets, and I said he was my uncle. So I'd go over there and I come back and I'll never forget I made like 38, 38 grand from them game. And I was eleven, yeah, eleven years old. Yeah, I'd always give I'd always give everything I could to like my mom and my family. I was always trying to make money for her so 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 you know, so she wouldn't have to go do what she had to do and then hopefully she could look after, you know, everyone or me. And then I was trying to get that stability. Yeah. Yeah, so, just surviving off. I remember I always felt too guilty to like buy myself anything. You know, I thought that's what it was always for in my head. Yeah, yeah. Well, far out, brother. So, I mean, so how did it sort of progress from you from there, man? And then um, into adulthood, bro. So what about boxing, bro? Was boxing a part of your life at this time too? What happened was <clears throat> with boxing, um, I used to get in a lot of fights in high school. I, um, I think I was rebelling a lot from my childhood. You know, I was pretty angry kid you know when I was in primary school I was a real timid real shy real sensitive kid and then in high school I just you know was just not scared of anyone didn't take many on I think it's because I had a few things happen obviously when I was staying uh, with that family and then after that sorry I was staying with a basketball coach as well for a bit he, he ended up being no good as well I was oh, about to real. so I had a couple uh run-ins with with you know he he was a uh, um he was yeah, he was no good like that as well. He 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 used to work for the over here got the Perth Wildcats, which is like as far up as it can get. And basketball was my first love as a sport growing up. So um, and he was like uh, he used to work for the Wildcats and he was a basketball coach for like a high level sort of at a, at a young age coach. And I was staying with him for a while, so I had a lot of um, I was pretty angry, you know, at at, at you know, and and because I felt like I was weak and. I felt real weak because I was the oldest kid and I felt like I was supposed to protect all the little ones. And I always, that, that kept coming up with me as I got older and never, I always felt like I never did anything. So in high school, I was like this, you know, didn't take no, no one, not scared of no one, fighting everyone, which gave me popularity at that time as well. And um, so it all just gelled in, I guess. And and um, and um, I wasn't scared of nothing, but really I was like, you know, scared of the dark, man, couldn't, couldn't sleep. You know, like obviously my family being, I guess semi, like what crims, you know, you'd call it. There was always dodgy, you know. Whenever I was there, there was always dodgy people around, drugs, this, that, dealers, whatever. So I always had people, you know, running through the house or looking for my older brother or or just like that, you know, whatever, whatever it was. I always seen a lot of it happening. So that, so that, so from fighting in school and that, so that developed into the into the gym, was it? Did you end up going to the boxing gym? Oh, what happened was how I started fight. I always got into fights. So I got in a and I was just fight, I would fight anyone. I remember I'd fight everyone and anyone. And um when I was about when I was 15, my sister, who um who I was always close with, um, because she always tried, she actually would have done a pretty good job of, look, job of looking after me, but then she hit the drugs. There's a bloke called Habi Esky. I think a couple of them must have trained with him. He owned a gym called Mac One in Scarborough Beach Road. And so that's what started me training. I went there, 
because they sent me there because they said, you know, this guy's a bit of a weapon. So we know you're tough, Matty, but you need to, like, learn properly, you know. And then that was an MMA gym. And that's where I started. Um, it was it was good, the structure, the training. It was hard for me. Um, I really wanted it, but because I was going to always hustle and, and doing, you know, the wrong things and that, it was really hard. I was I was, I was I was going, I loved it. It was like school for me again. And then um, I was backwards and forwards, you know. If, obviously, if I could go back in time, I would have done things differently. But um, I could definitely see that's what I wanted. It was just really hard because of life. And then a year later, when I was 16, I had I had a baby. Oh, I, I was having a, a baby. So that happened real quick, man. Like, I didn't even know she was pretty, like, pregnant until a bit later on. Um, and then when I found out about the baby, I left school straight away and started working. And then um, I was I shot myself because I was so determined to make sure like my kid didn't have to go for everything I went through and and all that. So I was hustling and, and I really wanted to make big money fast. And I had a mate, and because I was training at that stage and I was pretty um like I looked the part. Um, one of my mates was a stripper. He owned like a strip company over here, like um. And he said, man, you're too good to be doing this bad, you know, this badness, like hustling, you know, selling, selling, like doing, you know, doing whatever I was doing. And um, and um, he said, come, come um, strip with us, you know. And I started stripping underage. I did that for about, I made a lot of good money doing that. That's that's a hustle job in itself. So, And I was already a hustler. So. And a, a couple of years later, I ended up owning, owning the business. I started my own business from when she was about two months old pretty much had her full time um i got my mum i got her to move in with me um she could help me look after her and yeah i always had a lot of support then i met taylor i probably met her uh maybe when misha was about two or three a couple years later and then ended up with her and then we had um we've got three children oh well well so you've been together since then then, yeah nice nice well um okay well so you so you're doing the stripping thing man you're living the family life was it bro fighting as well did you when did you have your first fight i went to boxing right at right at the end there when i was like 21 22 but then i um and i would have gone pro i would have gone on with boxing then i went to jail back then for um getting in trouble with with, with some stuff i took the blame for a few boys as well as a few few boys involved were at my house but yeah. Oh, okay. So you ended up going inside. Um, so was that your first prison leg, was it? Yeah, well I did I did I did juvie in that. And then that was my first adult prison leg. And yeah, probably I would have been maybe like yeah, twenty or twenty one or something. So what oh, so how was that for you by walking into the prison system in Perth? Yeah, the first time, you know, I was a I was a fight like I was a fight I went in a fighter and I was sort of you know, I just didn't just did my own thing. Um, met a few people, and yeah. How long uh, did you end up doing? Uh, then twenty two months. Oh, okay, so done two years. Well, and then when I got it out, people knew who I was from because everyone sort of knew the story. Um, <clears throat> it's a bit of a stupid story, like what I went to jail for. Um, but everyone knew that I'd taken the blame for a few like well known boys over here, so I had a good name just from doing that. And then I was a fighter and. That's that's I guess when, you know, I met a few interesting, you know, sort of people in that. Oh well, so was that when you ended up joining the club, was it, bro? When you got out that time? 
I, I met people. I knew people from over there as well already from the other states, just through fighting and that. And um, when I when I'd gotten out, I think people spoke highly of me because because you know if you, you tick all the boxes, you're a fighter and you're taking the blame. You know, for a few people, obviously you don't talk, grow up hustling and and this and that. So. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I ended up, I was mates with a few people. I, I was, I jumped into it real fast. Um, I was, I'm real, you know, like I, um, it was a real good, like it was, it was everything about it was, you know, they had, um, like they're like a family and, um, it was good. Like, you know, the people that I was with, they looked after me real well. The guy that, um, come over and, um, <clears throat> and, and he was like my mentor he he did every, you know he looked after me a lot and I saw you know there was a lot of good things that I learned about it all and all that. Um, I, I was made, I, you know, I was pre, I was president pretty you know fast and because they were um, establishing like a club over in WA and and my mentor was you know very well respected and high up. You ended up landing in jail, bro, over um, some pretty um, what should you say? You know, I mean, pretty. Um... Just pretty bad circumstances, bro. You know what I mean? To be caught up in, in something like that, bro. I've heard a little bit about it, bro. But um, you know, obviously, uh, bro, Rock Spider Pedro was involved in it. Um, harsh sentence, bro. You know what I mean? That's a pretty big whack that you got, bro, for for something like that. Um, but yeah, bro, can you sort of run into what what happened there, bro? Um, I did a bit of jail and remand already before that, so because of. Um, I wasn't doing so they over in Perth, the coppers, they try, you know, like when you're in a gang, they've got like their own little task force just on you sort of thing. So they were trying to they were hammering me. They put me in jail for for on remand for shit. They had nothing to do with me back then and they had to let me out because they had nothing to do with me, but just because I wouldn't talk, which they know you're not gonna well, they know certain people aren't gonna talk. So they come to you on purpose knowing they're gonna get some time and remand out of you. And um they prove you like that, and then they obviously I wasn't doing nothing just because you're in a, a club. They assume that, or they don't assume. They just say that they assume, so it gives them all the power. Um, so they hammer you. And I had a foster child back then. Um, we adopted, and I was taking in. I've been taking in people off the street since I was 16, since I've been able to. But I had five teenagers with me just several months ago before they locked me up a few months ago. And so even though I was doing all these right things back then, I um. I bought a gym called Harry's Gym, and at the back of Harry's Gym, we had about eight bedrooms. And um, back then, I was trying to get like all the fighters that were on the ice. I was trying to get them off the ice, waking up to a beautiful gym every day, and um, hopefully fighting and changing their life, you know. And um, that sort of back backfired a bit. So uh, I mean, first of all, bro, good on you, bro. You know what I mean for doing all of that, man, throughout your life, brother, giving back. Um, shows a lot about your character, my bro. Um. So, yeah, so you're saying that, um, well, and you've adopted a kid as well, you know what I mean, which is huge as well, man, and through the right channels and that. So you've ended up starting a gym, bro. Oh, well, you're owning that Harry's gym, was it, brother? And then from there, um, you've started, like, um, rooms out the back and that for, you know, helping addicts and all of that. And then what, so some some creep ended up in, entering the picture, was it, bro? Yeah, so we're trying to. I was trying to do that, and it backfired a bit. So we still had like it was a massive gym. So we still had like a normal, like Danny Green was training back at Harry's gym with Angela Hyder, who ends up becoming my um, trainer and mentor back back then, you know. And um, 
Angelo was training Danny Green out of Harry's gym. So it was a normal gym. There was there was a lot of big sections. It was massive, this place. It wasn't small. So we had the bedrooms at the back for them. Then we had the normal gym. But then we had like, um, you know, like I was only, well, I would have been 22 or something at the time. So the idea wasn't, I didn't really think about it, you know, thinking about these people you're taking in whilst um, there could have been women and maybe children going to the gym, things like that. And end up taking in this bloke. Um, who was a he was a registered police informant because he'd been pinched for from memory. We got the paperwork. It was like having sex with a. It wasn't. It wasn't rape. It was like knowledge. So the girl accepted it, but she was like twelve, and he was like twenty eight or something. So he had already been done for this crime. So he had made a deal because he was he looked the part. He had tattoos in the face and 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 he hanged out with like um like crimson that, he must have made some deal with with the coppers for the next couple of years or however long he was on bail for. He was getting as much as he could. And he ended up, I ended up crossing paths with him, whether it was by accident or done on purpose, we don't know yet, but um, he, I ended up putting him in the gym. He said all the right things. Hey, man, I want to get off it. I want to fight, blah, blah, blah. So I put him in the gym. Yeah, he's a police informer and, he, and he's a... Um, uh, pedophile, um, David, yeah, David Boswell. I'll never forget him. Um, he had stay true tattooed to his eyebrows. Stay true, stay and, true. Yeah, I couldn't. And um, <clears throat> he um, so he he made me laugh, man. You know, I thought he was a funny bloke. People were saying, man, this ain't gone on with this dude. My problem is I'm real trusted, man. And once I like someone, they can they can they they can you know I, I don't see. I don't see any other stuff that other people can probably see. I'm no, I'm bad at when it comes to trusting people because when I like people, I just I always got a soft spot for people, no matter what, no matter how many times they fuck up or do the wrong things. You know, I always feel sorry for them. Somehow, all the cameras were off one day, and Simo was staying there. And he rings me and he goes, "Hey, man, are you with that Boz bloke?" And I went, "Yeah." He's like, "Get rid of him and get in now to the gym." But someone's dropped off this paperwork or his charges of the 12-year-old girl, and it's got not just the charges. He was put on an order as well. So it had the order as well, like the order he had to be on, like um, for 20 years or whatever while, while these charge, charges were going through. So he had two lots of paperwork. So it had the charges and then it had, because on the order it has the actual crime, like everything that happened with the girl because it has to be put on this order so everyone is supposed to know. So this paperwork was dropped off. We don't know who, why. You know, my theories is might have been the police. Yeah, that's what I was to think. And and I think the police knew about my history with what happened to me as a kid because it wasn't. It's not hard for the police to find these things out because it would have been on there. You know, so a bit of a and, setup. Um, what I believe, yeah. And then you know, like I could have dealt, you know, dealt with it how I thought best at the time. I've I'm bringing them up. So I just didn't want it to be true. I was like, this can't be real, man. It's just like he's gone and watch watch what you're saying about me. And he's like, remember, you left me by yourself with your daughter, you know, and my daughter was eight at the time and um and so obviously i want to kill this bloke after after that you know and that's all i wanted to do for the next four weeks you know, i wasn't sleeping eating shit nothing man i was just looking for this i was looking for him and i was didn't i lost interest in you know i think i was getting i think i was getting ready for a fight with angelo back then i was finally going to have that professional boxing fight that i should have had years ago um i was walking away from um on good terms, you know, from from because I jumped into it real early, 
was walking away on good terms from from the club, so I could fight professionally and 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 you know, and do all that. And and I was I was going down that road. I was I was walking away, was getting ready for that that boxing match. I was training for it with Angelo on that. And then this all happened, and it was taunting me for weeks, man, ringing me up from houses, like just saying shit about my daughter, about other kids, just really taunting me, man, you know. And um, finally, the house we found him at, well, I, I end up going by myself. The bloke that ringed me up, he's, he's passed away now, but in his house where he was, uh, this bloke, Stephen Rose's house, there was this end up being a, a program for Blue Iris at his house. So there was cameras everywhere in, within inside the house that you didn't know about. And it was live footage. So the police were watching this house live. But for his other crimes, because when they gave me all the evidence, they had they gave me days of evidence of this house from before. So there'll be like dealers going in, buying drugs, whatever, you know, this and that. So it was just like a full live fed footage, which they had to hand over to us as evidence. This made me realise more of what it, you know, set up it was. So it was all about like I was going to kill this bloke. All I want to know was did he or did he not do something to my daughter? Because if he had, I was going to kill him. And then I walked in there, walked straight into the room, a gun on him. And I've, I've taken that off him and I've chucked it away. And I had him on the on the bed and he tried to get out and I've, I've hit him so he couldn't so he couldn't leave the room. And um, he's on the bed sitting there looking up at me. And I, I said straight away, what the f*** did you mean by my daughter? Or you by myself, my daughter, cocksucker. And he looked me in the eyes and he goes, mate, the police, they made me say it. The police, they made me say it, you know. And um, I was just new in his eyes. And I had this big sick feeling in my stomach that I have for four weeks. And it just went away. Like, I, I was content. Like, I knew he hadn't done anything. Not because he said the police made him say it. So I just knew in his eyes I knew nothing had been done. And I was content with that. So, <clears throat> and I was content deep down because I, I knew I didn't have to kill him no more, you know. And it was just everything was good, you know. I've got, I had other children as well, which I should have thought about. If I could go back in time, I would have done it all differently. But um, that's where I was at my headspace. And I hadn't dealt with that since everything that happened to me as a kid. I never dealt with my issues as a kid. What happened to me yet? No one even knew. No one even knew about it. I never told anyone. You know, like, oh, people knew about, like, like when I was younger, like, 11, 12, like, my family knew, like, my mum knew, like, what happened because all that stuff came out when I was a kid um, in, in primary school uh, when I was staying with that Bob and then the basketball coach. But um, uh, after that, like, that era, I never told anyone in high school. I never told anyone now as an adult. Like, Taylor didn't know. Like, no one, no one you know, just – just would be my mum. So I never talked about it with anyone. So I had bad issues there myself with it all. That And um, so I didn't know how else to do with it except for that. That was what I wanted to do back then, you know. But for the next half an hour, I was asking because other issues that came. Mums had come to me about him and, I, and, you know, and I got confessions out of him in that room, free confessions about other, other children who'd done things, with, you know, and he admitted heaps of, you know, stuff. So I ended up getting done for OBH, which over here is like – AOBH, so which is like the least of the assaults. Like, yeah, he got hit a few times. I didn't break nothing. He, um, you know, he might have had a black eye or something. Um, it wasn't serious, um, like injuries or anything like that. It was just I was not letting him leave the room. That was it. I was on my own. And but the, then I got done for detaining him. So the whole time I wouldn't let him leave the room. I got done for that as well. Like half an hour, however long I was in the room with him. So he he was a police informant. So the police grabbed me, gang crime grabbed me, and they were laughing. You know, they were real happy. They're like, man, they were like, we couldn't get you for whatever else we we reckon you're doing, but we'll take this one. You know, but I wasn't doing nothing. That's that's the thing. So they just had to justify 
um, their bad behaviour by putting a pedophile with a, a person who they knew was looking after kids, who knew I had a foster child, who knew I was taking kids off the street, you know. They knew I was doing all these good, well, trying to do these good things and they put a pedophile. It's my fault, like, pedophile into that environment, you know. I take responsibility for that, um, which is why I've still got guilt. <clears throat> but um, they, being the police, they knew all these things. They should have had a duty of care. Well, they don't put a pedophile in that situation, but in their heads, how they justify it, they're like, oh, Floyd, he was doing all this and he was doing all that. Like, that's how they justify it, but that's all bull. They'll just, they'll do what, they've got this power, they can do whatever they want. That's crazy, bro. And I, I end up getting five and a half years. I've never been in trouble. I've never been in jail. I've never been done for violence in my life, except for that. Yeah, that's a massive so one. So, I got, um, even though he was saying, so no one had mitigating circumstances except for me. I had all the mitigating circumstances set at sentencing and, and this and that, but I got waxed. And the guy, David Boswell, so for the pedophilia, or so, yeah, so for that, he got like, I think it was like from memory, like 10 months or 11 months, right? Now, not only did he get 10, 11 months jail, he got it to do it protected in another state. So he went to like, I think he went to jail in Adelaide or Melbourne or something. I can't remember. He went to another state, did his prison there in protection. And then when he got out, out as well because he claimed all psychological abuse from me and this and that from holding him in the room. Even while I was in jail, he was sending like receipts and letters to my like to my family saying like he'd get like because he started some like I don't know he started some business up, and um, every time he'd get like a check for like a hundred grand or two hundred grand or checks for money or whatever, he would send it to my family saying, "Tell your son thanks for this. Tell your son you know thanks for that." Yeah. Uh, it's it's crazy, man. Like I said, bro. Yeah, um, yeah. The fact that you know they're not the serving the highest sentences that you can possibly get is just crazy, bro. They should be getting way more than any armed robber, any burglar, or anything like that, bro. They should be getting three times as many, man. It's crazy. But um, bro. I mean, from there, brother. So um, you've ended up getting your five year whack, bro. You know, long time, bro, for that for that sort of crime. Um. So how was it, man, when you when you when you walked out of there, brother? And so yeah, so I was just gonna if I could touch on something before, I want to shout out to some boys. So just before I went to jail, we we're talking about sentences and laggings, pedophiles and that. There was a group of boys when I went to jail that um I didn't ask them to do this, but I was training these boys um at the gym and that. And um the poor you know, they when they found out I went to jail for what I went to jail for back then, and they were luring pedophiles down to parks and wherever. So they they'll pretend to be kids and these pedophiles, and they'll they'll bashing them, they'll caving these pedophiles. You know, and um the poor bar, yeah, they went met them and they all got arrested. The poor poor, and they got eight years. And so I just needed a shout out. They know who they are. Shout out to them boys, um, because they got eight years for for doing all that, and they never they never did anything unless it was proven that the bloke was a pedophile trying to meet up with kids and that etc etc and um yeah i don't condone that behavior you know people being vigilantes or anything because i don't want anyone to get in trouble but tough world we're living in bro with some pretty corrupt laws mate pretty corrupt system all around um yeah crazy world we're living in my brother but um yeah so from there my bro yeah so so you're the owner of Pinky's Gym at the moment, bro. You've had your professional fights and that, bro, taking in the kids and that, bro. So how's 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 all that been, my bro? 
Yeah, so I always I built the gym more concentrated on the teens this time instead of adults because the adult thing backfired on me. You know, like I'll still help an adult if they really, really come to me, you know, and try and prove themselves. But I, I don't. I mainly reach out to teenagers now. Like I try and look for all the boys that, all and girls that were like um, me, pretty much. Um, there is nothing in Perth. Even now, there's nothing. There's there's all these campaigns that are you know probably. Because of money or whatever, but there's no, there's not even like a homeless shelter where teenagers can go to to sleep in Perth. I'm trying to link up with this guy and throw all the time, like trying to build something, you know. I, I literally try and find them places. I end up taking them all in, you know. They, you know, sometimes there'll be five of them sleeping in the lounge room. But um, I, I built Pinky's gym several years ago, always so like for the idea that it would run itself. And so I could do what I wanted on the side, get get them come and get get them some sort of routine which saved me. Um, get them fighting. Could be AFL or, or basketball. We've got a few boys that are playing real good footy there at the moment. You know, a lot of the Freo Dockers come down and train at my gym and help out with that. Um, but the idea was there from the beginning um, to skim that routine. That they're welcome there. They know they can come there whenever they want. I'll pick them up. I'll get someone to pick them up. We'll pick, you know someone will pick them up. Whatever. Um, and um, <clears throat> yeah, and we do that with them. We've had quite a few success stories. Um, with some of the boys, you know, we've got a, f- a few boys that started off on the street at, at 15, 16. Now they're 18, 19, all working. They all, you know, one of them, they've got, a, they've, they've all got a rental across the road from the gym now, about three of them. They all moved in together back then so they could come to the gym every day, you know. I start off by giving them jobs around the gym or I always reach out to people in the area because I've got a lot of contacts through this saying, look, can you, whatever it is, being a sparky or bricky or even job at the clubs. We linked up with the nightclubs and that, um, everything you know, just whatever they're interested in, get, get them any sort of work, or even just training. Some of them are fighting full time now. Bro, good on you, man. Being able to to make that difference in people's lives, bro. That's that's huge, bro. That's massive. I mean, what's some of your future plans, bro? Like with the boxing and so I was um I won so I won all my all my fights. Um, I was supposed to so I was this year was going to be my year for fighting. Um, I go, I spend a lot of time in Queensland. I go over there with Angelo Hyder because he's got the gym in Tweed and I try and get some good sparring up there and, and training and advice from him. And then um, I go there before each of my fights. And then what happened was <clears throat> this year was going to be good for me. I was supposed to fight on the Cambosis Junior card and then I was going to go for a regional title, which would have put me, I think, top 30 or something in the world with my manager. And then um, a few months ago, um, I was in Queensland uh, getting ready for the last fight I was supposed to have several months ago. So this would have been a few months ago now. And um, some boys, I can't probably talk about this too much. There's a case going on at the moment. Uh, so I haven't had a charge in, what, eight years or something since I went to jail for that pedophile. And um, what happened was a, f- a few months ago, some boys got pinched in Perth They've been caught with whatever, and um, and the coppers were in contact with. They'll come. I was in Queensland, uh, getting ready for this fight, and they've got in contact with. They've come to my house, like they kicked the kicked the door in and that, and they they knew I was over there anyway. And then I've contacted them, and then my lawyers contacted them, and I said, "Look, is there a warrant for my arrest? Because if you're going to hammer my family and and do all the shit that you did back before." I'll just come back now. 
They're like, no, no, there's no warrant for your arrest. We just want to talk to you. I go, well, my lawyer's going to be there. I'll come back, you know, with him. Like, because next thing you know, <clears throat> please grab me and say, you need, you're getting extra back to Perth. They want to talk to you in Perth. All right. I'm on the airplane on the way. I hear I'm all over the news over in Perth. They're saying, once again, they got they bring up ex-Bikey president, which was 10 years old now, um, drug kingpin, even though I've never been in trouble for drugs in my life, um, trying to flee the country in a dramatic showdown. Uh, they had me at gunpoint, apparently. They never had me at gunpoint. I was never fleeing the country. I was walking around service paradise in my shorts and singlet with my kids. And um, that was all over the news, Channel 9, 6 o'clock news. I'm going to talk to them about that. And, um, yeah, they're like in a dramatic showdown, bikey, ex-bikey boss, ex-drug kingpin, about to flee the country. It's absolute bullshit, man. I wasn't fleeing the country. I was in Queensland training for a fight, which they knew about. I'd spoken to them. They knew I was coming back. So the media couldn't have known about it unless the cops told them. So it was full set up. So they're trying to – they even were laughing on the plane, saying, do you like that one? Like, on the media, like you know, you like that one. This is gonna, this is gonna keep you in for a little bit, and they yeah, just to me like I last time I went to jail, even on I don't agree with the sentence and this and that. I accepted what I did was wrong. I accepted my jail. I've accepted jail each time because I've been in the wrong. This is the first time. So I was in lockup for about ten weeks just a few months ago. This is the first time I've been sitting there, and and because of COVID and that, you're in twenty three hour lockdown. Don't know what's going on. This is the first time I've been sitting there, not knowing what the fuck's actually going on. You know, every other time there's only two or three scenarios playing out in your head, like get the best sentence you can, et cetera, et cetera. This is the first time. There's a million scenarios. I've no idea what's going on. I know I'm not guilty of nothing. Everyone in Perth knows I'm not guilty of nothing. Um, And it's really like, you know, bad timing, perfect timing for them, bad timing for me. And it really hurt me, this sentence. Like I've, I've got to a point where, you know, you feel like, you feel like killing yourself because it gets that bad. Um, And I'm not a suicidal person whatsoever, but you don't know what the you know, you get put in isolation. I've got mental health problems. They weren't giving me my medication. They they knew what they knew. They they knew I wouldn't talk. So I think they knew by me not, not talking. They didn't even they didn't even ask me if I want to do an interview. They didn't even ask me if I want to talk. They just knew I wasn't gonna. They didn't bother. So it was straight to lock up. And um and so a bunch of yeah, a bunch of boys got pinched for whatever. And then weeks later, I'm getting charged as a kingpin and this and that. I don't even, you know. So what's that tell you that, you know, obviously. And, and so so I've got an out now a few months ago and I'm straight away getting ready. So that's that's my the Cambodian junior card fights and then it's um, my regional title back then. And now I'm getting ready for another fight, which is in seven weeks from, from today. And I suppose to be the main event for this card, you know, where I, I'm, I, I sell quite a lot of tickets because of, of my story and what I do on that. So... You know, it's a, it's a big, it's my main source of you know, income at the moment. So I had a big payday coming up in seven weeks. And then just the other day, um, the police got involved with the commission apparently. And now they're stopping me from fighting again. So I've been, so they charged me with shit that has nothing to do with me. I don't even have to tell the commission my case by law because it's not their jurisdiction. But I did because I'm not worried one bit about my case. It's not, it does not worry me one bit. So my lawyer sent them an email showing them. So the police admitted in an email to my lawyer. They said we've got all these phone calls, all this evidence, whatever. And there's not we haven't got one bit of evidence that suggests 
that your client has anything to do with buying or selling drugs or has anything to do with this case. So my case is literally based on hearsay. It's not their jurisdiction. I've got to face my charges, which will get thrown out anyway. And um, but a lot of people are going to have a lot to answer for because they're taking my income from me now. I'm supposed to be fighting to make the fuck of my life again, my career. I'm 33. I have realistic, you know, vision and goals. You know, like I want to, you know, look at title shots. Um, bit you know, and and you know next year and things like that. You know, I was I was going to get a regional title this year, and um, they're they're really fucking with that. And then, not only that, but you got the coppers going to my gym, like at six thirty at night, which is my prime time, and 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 acting like they're not even going for me. They're like pretending to look for people that made up names. They've got they're pulling up people, asking them why they're training at the gym, blah blah blah. Like they're trying to fuck with the gym now. They've gone to my mates who were supposed to. Like do my bail for me, saying not threatening, threatening them, saying you know this can look bad for you, blah blah blah. Because I got a mate that plays AFL, and he was supposed to you know do do that for me, and they were threatening him if he did my you know they're, they're just like they've got like this power you know, and then you got the commission with this godlike power who can so they're, they're pretty much saying to me not you know like they're saying look you can't fight for money, so you can't look after your family, you can't well they're trying to fuck with my gym, they're trying to make it so the gym can't run properly, you know. They're trying to like take take everything away while I'm you know while I'm trying to fight this bullshit court case which has nothing to do with me anyway. It's just based on fucking hearsay, which everyone knows. That's crazy. All right, brother Matt. Um, bro, look, man, we're actually coming to the end here, my bro. But brother, so much respect, man, for everything that you're doing, man, with the kids and that, bro. Being able to bounce back, man, having been through abuse yourself, mate, through having been through the streets as well, man, being able to give back like you are, bro. You've obviously got a huge heart, mate, you know what I mean, bro? Massive heart, can see that from here, my bro. Um, bro, just don't keep, don't give up that fight, bro. You know what I mean, man, especially with them jacks and all of that, bro. It's just, mate, you know what I mean? You're, they're threatened, bro. You know what I mean, man, for some reason, brother, but... Mate, praying for you, man, giving you all the energy, bro. And, um, bro, you know, you're that big brother now, bro. The, the big brother that you looked up to before, bro. You've, you've become that for so many people, bro. So definitely don't give up that fight, my brother. Yeah, cheers, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thank you.